Hello and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast, a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just want to, at the beginning, uh, thank everyone who tuned in to episode one and is also tuning in to episode two. Um, want to remind everyone you can subscribe to this podcast on the new podcast app, Himalaya, as well as on Google Podcla- pa- Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And remember, when you get in your car, you can tell your smart device to play the Locked On Indians podcast. Um, and just remember to, again, subscribe and review. It's huge for us, especially at the start. Um, the great news from the network side of things is we had six of the top 200 baseball podcasts. Um, sadly, this was not one of those, but we had a really good turnout on opening day for our podcast. Um, and I look forward to growing numbers and a growing fan base. In today's show, I'm going to have basically split into two segments. I'm going to start out talking about the outfield for the Cleveland Indians and what that's shaping up like right now. It is, before all the injuries to the infield, I would have argued that it was the uh, weakest place on the team. Uh, I'll do the one one spot on the infield that I skipped, which was first base, and then uh, the second half, we will. I'm going to take a look at the uh, Paul Dolan interview with Zach Mazel and the uh, the kind of waves that it made and what I would take away from all of it. So let's start out with the one position I missed on the infield, which was first base. It is the one stable position on the infield. Carlos Santana, after going to Philadelphia, was then shipped to Seattle and then into Cleveland in the Encarnacion deal. Um, Overall, Santana is a better player. He can actually play the field. He's an above-average defender at first base. He is unlikely to be as strong in terms of production as Edwin was last year. I mean, he, he might... That's not fair. He is likely to be about the same area. Um, the big thing to realize is Edwin really started to show signs of his age a year ago, so he is likely to be significantly worse than he was, especially playing in Seattle. So when you look at the whole picture, adding Carlos Santana at a cheaper price makes the Indians better offensively and defensively. Um, A stable force, he walks a lot, doesn't strike out a ton, hits for power, and at this point, with the injuries the Indians have suffered, it looks like the kind of centerpiece of their lineup, frankly. Jake Bowers might also get some time at first, so um, I'll use that to segue into talk of the outfield. Jake Bowers was the uh, the other player that the Indians got in that Encarnacion deal. Uh, Tampa Bay sent them three sent three million to Seattle, who then sent agreed to send six million to Cleveland over the course of two years. Cleveland got Santana and Bowers, and they lost Edwin Encarnacion. Yandy Diaz went to the Rays, and um, they agreed to trade their Comp B second round pick, which occurs after the entire second round is finished. Typically, you're looking at a pick somewhere in the late 80s, early 90s. That pick went to Seattle in the deal. Bowers is a really interesting player from the perspective that there is no better indicator of success for minor league players than players who have been young for their level. I thought Keith Law made a really interesting point recently in an article where he talked about the idea that there are certain teams that seem to be intentionally pushing players up the ladder uh, because everybody knows that this is such a strong indicator. So if there's a player that they thought was borderline, if you could push him up and he could find success at the upper levels 
at a really young age, then you'd have a much better trade asset. Um, I don't necessarily know it was the raise that he was talking about, but he said that you know teams were intentionally doing this because the valuation is so much higher. Bowers, I don't believe is the case because he's one of those guys who, even though he's uh, barely 21, has been around for a while. He started out in the Padres system, was traded over to the Rays in the Will Myers deal, and moved up the ladder there. He had a inconsistent first year in the majors. You know, for the Indians here, they're getting a guy who has five years of control left, who's extremely young, who can play some first base, some DH, and with the state of the team, we'll probably get a lot of time in left field. It's not his ideal position. The power potential is probably the calling card. He's also walked at a strong rate in the minors, and it's probably, again, the most interesting of those uh, young outfielders. Speaking of young outfielders, I'll quickly mention the two players who really aren't in the discussion at this point in the season. Uh, To make the roster, one, Oscar Mercado, who arguably had the best spring of anyone. He was acquired last year for... um, Connor Capel was the major piece, the outfielder. In my opinion, a lot of people were big fans of the the younger A-ball talent, Johan Duran, I want to say, though that could be completely wrong. Uh, I mean, they paid a, a significant price for Mercado, who was a failed prospect as a shortstop, was switched to center field, looks like a plus defender in center. There's been questions if he's going to be more than a fourth outfielder because he doesn't really profile to do anything plus in the batter's box. But this spring, he did a lot of things to uh, to make him someone that people were hoping would be on the Indians roster. He's not... He'll probably be in that first group of uh, players that are coming up next. Um, You know, amongst the prospects, it's him and Daniel Johnson. Johnson, I think, will start the year in double-A, so he's a little bit farther away. Johnson's one of those players who is a four-tool talent. The problem is the the missing tool is the hit tool, and it's, I think, at best, a 40-grade tool. Um, He's just one of those guys, the question becomes, will he ever hit enough to be able to stick in the majors? The uh, other player of note who's also on the 40-man of the youth movement is Bradley Zimmer. He has been unable to stay healthy. Another player who low-graded hit tool at this point, lots of power, plus defender. When you put him in center field, the plus defender plus power potential makes him a, a legitimate option there. There are concerns that his brother has never held up physically and has yet to pitch in the majors. And with Bradley that he keeps getting hurt. That leaves us at this point with uh, Leones Martin, who was the uh, player they traded Willie Castro for a year ago and is set up to start in center field for the Indians. Uh, an above-average plus defender in center, below-average bat. Better than anything they really were running out there a year ago and one of those unfortunate things where he had that bacterial infection that uh, nearly cost him his life. So it's just great to see him on the baseball field. Greg Allen is consistently a forgotten man. You go back to the draft, you go back to college. He's been a average hitter. He doesn't do anything all that great in the batter's box. When I saw him down in double A, I never saw him make a bad read on a hit. His defense is the carrying skill. Um, the hope was he could be a league average bat with some doubles power. 
He walked more in the minors. I've been a little bit disappointed to see him not walk as much in the majors. But as a fourth outfielder, I think he has a lot of value to the Indians this year. Taylor Naquin's a guy I've never been super high on. I'll just be open. He had that one hot half a season. He hasn't had a strong spring. He's, in my opinion, it's he's just kind of holding fort until someone gets healthy. And then Jordan Luplo is a player they paid a lot for to get out of Pittsburgh. He's uh, only 24 years old, was out of Fresno State. I actually liked him quite a bit in that draft. Um, you know, he is pretty much, I would think, to most people's view, strictly a platoon bat, that he is going to be someone who is there to hit left-handers. He is Brandon Geyer part two, but cheaper. Um, I just, I go the butt, because he's cheaper than what Geyer would have cost if they had picked up his option, but since Geyer was just released, um, you could have Geyer for the vet minimum, which is what they're basically playing Luplo. So, uh, you know, the other nice thing with Lupo is this is a guy who has had some time at third base as well. So you have four outfield spots and one position on the infield he can back up and then hopefully be an above average hitter against lefties. Okay, going to do a, a quick talk about our sponsor, Blue Chew. Um, you know, I'm a guy in my 30s. I've been hearing about the, uh, the little blue pill. It feels like since childhood, you know, Blue Chew has the uh, same active ingredients as Viagra. But the nice thing about this is if, you know, you're someone like me uh, who's heard about it and always been curious, you can go online to Blue Chew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W dot com, and you use the the code MLB to get a free uh, trial of it. You only have to pay the five bucks for shipping. And if you've always been curious because you've spent the last 20 years hearing about these pills and you just wanted to give it a try, uh, here's your chance. It's uh, You don't have to worry about going to the store or anything like that that might be a little more embarrassing. You just get it mailed to your house discreetly and no one will know what it is. Um, it's all the same effects. It's the same type of uh pill fda wise so uh if you've ever had some curiosity here's your chance go to bluechew.com and use that promo code mlb so uh an interview came out on monday with zach meisel uh with the peter dolan the owner of the indians now i've been a dolan defender uh when you look at the current owner situation in cleveland I still think he's the best owner. Um, Jimmy Haslam's uh, had some criminal concerns with the flying with the pilot stuff, uh, and then when you look at the uh, Seth Wickersham piece that came out in ESPN this year about just the dysfunction that they uh, had in that front office, it's uh, it was not a pretty picture. Uh, Gilbert has been overbearing and too hands-on to the point that he basically forced out a GM that won Cleveland their first championship in 50 plus years. The nice thing about Dolan is he let smart baseball people run the team and has not put himself in the position to, uh, to make any, you know, sport related decisions, unlike the other owners in Cleveland. Now, I also understand the reality of baseball. It is a sport that has no cap and it has no floor teams can spend however much they want or however little. Um, there was a lot of anger about Dolan's comment about enjoy Lindor while he's here. 
I thought it was a little funny that fans got really mad about this because the Indians have never kept any massive free agent. In my lifetime, I saw them trade CeCe Sabathia and Cliff Lee because they knew that they couldn't re-sign them. Uh, it's the same reason they traded Kenny Loft in a way, though they then, after he had a subpar year, did re-sign him. It's, uh, you know, we saw Albert Bell, Jim Tomey, Jim Tomey, and Manny Ramirez all leave. It's pretty much the way things have worked in Cleveland since free agency has begun. Um, I've been saying for the last three years Lindor was going to leave at the end of this contract. It was very clear that uh, he was playing for free agency. He was playing for the payday and was not going to sign a deal to buy out any of those years. He wanted to hit the open market as soon as possible which makes a lot of sense when you consider how young he was when he debuted and the fact of the matter is when he hits free agency he'll be hitting during his prime years a prime talent at a prime position with uh power it's a combination that we don't often see and it'll make him one of the most highly sought off sought after free agents that we've ever seen my issue here was more that Dolan was playing the pity card a bit much, it felt like. And I saw a lot of people who have been strongly in the Dolan camp and supporters of him who just, the interview made irate. Um, the sad reality is that the Cleveland Indians in 2016 nearly won the World Series. They came out the next season and signed the number one right-handed bat in free agency, gave him the largest contract in franchise history, and their uh, attendance only went up above 400k, and they went from 28th to 22nd. Um, they won another division title, and their attendance dropped 100,000 last year. I have little doubt that the Dolans are making lots of money. I think fans have a right to be upset, but I also think that when you are a team who has made the playoffs three straight years and the attendance is still low, you're not doing much to incentivize the owner to uh, to invest in the team. And I saw a lot of people complaining that, well, who cares about making the playoffs three years in a row? There are a lot of franchises who would love that. We're Cleveland fans. Are you kidding me? If the Browns made the playoffs one year in a row, we'd have another parade. So it just seems a little disingenuous, and it kind of shows the deeper toxic nature that there has been with the Dolans in this fan base. I don't think Peter Dolan is a bad owner, but I do wonder if they could, if he would be better served selling the Indians at this point, just because that relationship with the fan base has gotten so bad. Unfortunately, for whoever buys them, unless they feel like losing money, um, fans will get upset again when they struggle to realize that baseball is not like football you go and you look at the nfl there has never been a franchise quarterback who was a franchise quarterback and left his team in his prime it's never happened the best quarterback free agents all time drew Brees, before he was drew Brees, rich gannon and peyton manning where nobody knew what peyton manning was going to be after his injuries in the NFL, you can keep guys. You know, the NBA, we have started to see some movement, but for a long time, you could keep everyone. The MLB has no cap. It's a free market, 
And when the Indians have, I think, around the 20th highest uh, TV contract and are making hundreds of millions less in TV money than, say, the Dodgers, that's going to affect who you can sign. So, you know, it's a situation to sum it up. It, there's a lot of nuance, and I don't have a lot of time, but uh, when it comes down to it, fans have a right to be upset. Fans also have to realize that uh, it's not just Dolan's or Cheap. The Jacobs couldn't keep their free agents, and anyone else they got uh, would not be able to keep a free agent in Cleveland of the magnitude of a Francisco Lindor. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 2. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and anywhere you get podcasts. Those subscriptions and reviews are hugely helpful, especially because we are on the early days of this podcast. And a big thank you to everyone who was listening. Have a good night, and go Tribe!